0: We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's Pep Talk. We will take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. Welcome, Mishir, to today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. Perhaps we could start off by you kindly telling the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do and why.
1: Thank you for having me, Simon. It's a pleasure speaking to you again after a while. Um, I'm the founder and MD of FinStep Asia. FinStep Asia is a venture builder that is enabling fintech companies across Asia and those interested in Asia to go to market. We also work with companies on their uh, content in terms of thought leadership and white papers. And lastly, we run large-scale virtual fintech events to bridge the network across Asia and overseas uh, and we are part of the Hong Kong Start Me Up HK Festival as the core organiser organising event on fintech.
0: So um, when you talk about fintech, how do you define that these days? I guess it's evolving, right?
1: I, I look at FinTech and I'm like, uh, it's something that's probably been around for over a hundred years, if we take the telegram uh, that was being used to, for communicating messages for the stock markets in London and New York, right? Uh, however, in the modern context for me, Fintech is the use of technology to drive the end engagement and business with the end customer, right? It's not just about operations or IT or back office, but about how can you offer better services for end consumers, be it institutions or uh, be it uh, a retail customer.
0: How did you get into the fintech space?
1: It's, uh, its roots are in London, so I was I came to Hong Kong to do my MBA, and uh, the last leg of my MBA was in London Business School. And uh, through the business school, I got to visit uh, Level Thirty Nine, which is the startup incubation hub of uh, the Canary Wharf Group. Right, uh, met a few fintech companies there, and uh, when I came back to Hong Kong in the summer of 2015, I looked around for fintech companies, I didn't see any. All right, so I started engaging in whatever few um, activities events that were taking place in Hong Kong at the time, and uh, subsequently started getting involved uh, in the community, going on to co-found the FinTech Association of Hong Kong, and uh, then taking over as the inaugural general manager full-time, building the association for the first two and a half years.
0: Now, Hong Kong is one of the top financial hubs in the world, so uh, the FinTech Association, what's what's their role in, in ensuring that, I guess, for Hong Kong in the future?
1: The Fintech Association is a not-for-profit body. Uh, It's a community organization, right, Uh, with three main goals of advocacy, collaboration, and education. So we were the first industry body and probably the only one that are solely focused on fintech. Uh, And we work closely with the regulators and government bodies on advocacy, helping them with policy framing, as well as giving our feedback on different policies for fintech, from open banking to cryptocurrencies to, you know, the virtual banking, etc., Uh, While on the collaboration front, we bring together large corporates and startups at the same table to discuss and be able to work together. And lastly, education, not just working with universities to enable students to understand how technology is reshaping financial services, but also for existing professionals to understand what they need to do to upskill themselves and stay relevant in today's world. And why are
0: you based in Hong Kong?
1: I love Hong Kong's uh, vibrancy, right, and the energy that Hong Kong has. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm probably in, in, too much in love with Hong Kong and uh, have a bit blind side when it comes to the city. Uh, but in terms of when I came over to Hong Kong to do my MBA and the reason for me to stay over, I found three main things about Hong Kong that keeps it uh, most interesting for me. One is, um, as you said, it's a major financial center and Asia's largest, right, uh, and most active. So that, having come from a trading and capital markets uh, background, I, I spent a decade trading US and European markets. I found this to be very relevant to my background, right? So that's number one. Number two was... Uh, it is an international city right at the heart of East Asia, right? So the, with the proximity to mainland China, the business that you can do in mainland China, while still being in an international environment, both regulatory-wise and uh, from a you know living perspective, was very attractive to me. Um, being originally from India, I was quite keen to bridge the India-China startup corridor as well, and Hong Kong provides that perfect bridge for that, right? That's number two, and number three is uh, it's it's got that um, Hong Kong's got that hustle, right? If you if you could use that term, I uh, you know uh, it's overused in the entrepreneurship world, but uh, I call Hong Kong uh, Mumbai on steroids. It's just got so much energy. People are always hustling uh, all the time, busy, and there's a there's a there's a very you uh, know, cracking uh, energy about the city, right? And you get uh, consumed by it. Uh, some people can't take it, uh, but I, I love that energy and that fuels me to uh, keep striving to get better. So yeah, that's the three main reasons I love Hong Kong and what brought me here, yeah.
0: I lived there for 20 years and know exactly what you mean. It's such an amazing energy and uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> like London on steroids, I'm come in London now. So, I can I can relate yeah. to your 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 love of of the city and um,
1: so I, I was, yeah. I'm always interested in in. The steroids in London uh, on uh, you know on a hot boiler if you consider the humidity
0: here. Ah, true. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, nowhere's perfect. I guess that's 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 the bottom line. But um, but I know what you mean about the energy. Yeah. So I always like to get in the minds of my my guests and and, and say I'm interested. Do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred?
1: It's a bit of both. So I, I've, I've answered these questions before as a, as a trader. You know, you have these questions about are traders born or are they, you know, can they be bred or made? It's it's never a clear-cut answer It because people evolve over time. Your risk appetites evolve. Your circumstances evolve, right? I come from a family that is... Quite entrepreneurial. My dad was a businessman, as you would call it, an old school ways, right? In today's world, would have been an entrepreneur. Um, and I've ha- I've been exposed to entrepreneurship from from a very young age. Or to help him sell goods uh, at the age of four or five, and similar things for my aunts, etc. So I've always had that in my uh, veins. And uh, and a lot of my roles, even as a trader, it was a prop trading role, which meant I had to build my own book. So you had to be entrepreneurial. So I feel there is a sense of uh, you're growing into an environment that requires it, and it's it's a very personality thing. So, largely, it's it's bred based on the environment you're in. Uh, it, it, because on the other side, I have people who have. Who, are, who have come from similar backgrounds as me, but aren't entrepreneurial at all, right? So it's a mix, I would say. Uh, some people are born with it because from, from a very young age, they want to hustle, they want to build their own thing, uh, which is different. But being able to take that risk and sustain that and uh, having a passion for it is, is the most vital element.
0: Good answer. I like it. Yeah, it's, um, I guess looking at Hong Kong now, there are a few unicorns. It's quite an exciting growing yes. ecosystem. Um are there any unicorns that we jump out? Have the one with
1: the, sorry, didn't go, go No,
0: go ahead. Uh, we, we, what's the latest one?
1: So we had one uh, this week, the, which is uh, Animoco Brands, right? Uh, Yatsu, Yatsu, amazing
0: Yatsu entrepreneur. Movies. Yeah
1: yeah so there is eighty eight million eighty eight eight hundred eighty eight thousand eighty eight dollars uh, as it were, the number eight uh, at a valuation of one billion, making them the Hong kong's latest unicorn
0: it's uh It's exciting, isn't it? I guess um I'm yeah. assuming all the listeners know what a unicorn is, of course, a company with a valuation of over a billion. but um do you um yes. well, who's going to be the next unicorn in your view?
1: Very tricky, right? Uh, I think Airwallex is uh, lining up towards becoming one if you consider them to be uh, a Hong Kong uh, company. Their, their headquarters is now in Hong Kong, right? And uh, the founders are based here as well. Uh, in addition to Airwallex, I probably think one of the virtual banks in Hong Kong are prime to reach that stage very quickly, right? Um, although a lot of them are backed by conglomerates of uh, well-known uh, financial institutions and tech institutions, I do feel they are heading towards that uh, in the next year or so. Well, some of them have got some very good traction. And uh, with the Greater Bay Area opening up, uh, those who are well-placed for the Wealth Connect uh, in particular, I would I would place my uh, bets on them.
0: The Greater Bay Area you're mentioning there, do you mind, for my audience that don't know, what you mean explaining exactly what that's all about
1: sure the greater bay area or the official name for which is the guangdong hong kong macau greater bay area uh, this is in southern china includes the province of guangdong which is part of mainland china and the two special administrative regions of macau and hong kong uh, it's a new policy that brings together these um, Three provinces or three regions to uh, under one banner of the Greater Bay Area, where the policy will be uniform and access for both businesses and individuals will be greatly increased with uh, with, with a lot of movement of people, businesses. Uh, Etc. Uh, over time, uh, there are uh, there's going to be special provisions for uh, more access uh, on both sides. So, as I mentioned, like things like the Wealth Connect, where Hong Kong companies uh, licensed and registered in Hong Kong can now have an opportunity to sell their products to about 76 million other people, right, uh, in the Guangdong province. Now, for context, uh, the Greater Bay Area is roughly about 75 to 80 million uh, people in size. That's probably equivalent to the populations of France or uh, Germany, right? Uh, with a GDP currently of about $1.7 trillion, uh, making it one of the largest Bay uh, areas in the world after Tokyo and uh, San Francisco and, uh, Bay Area and New York. It is projected that by 2030, this um, region will have a GDP of $3 trillion, uh, making it among the top economies in the world. Uh, it has a per capita of about 30000 US, but expected to grow uh, significantly as well, um, it has some of the world's most known cities when it comes to tech and financial services and trade. Uh, Guangzhou, one of the world's oldest trade capitals, is the capital of the Guangdong province. Then of course you have Hong Kong as a financial hub, uh, Shenzhen as the technology hub, and then Macau as the you know pseudo entertainment hub if you want to call it that right and that's where the building is happening um i personally call it the combination of hong kong and shenzhen as the silicon valley of the east it's uh, it's the little fin meets tech and uh, that for me is going to be very very exciting in the coming years
0: i would argue it's more powerful than silicon valley because they don't really have the production capability in silicon valley so when you connect um the money to the production like the Hong Kong Shenzhen connection, yeah, it's um, I was just reading ninety percent of the world's patents are actually in Shenzhen.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing city, right? It's it's young city. Uh, it's uh, I mean, the roots are about 40 to 60 years old, from a sleeping fishing village to a city now that has the most number of uh, skyscrapers in the world, right? Hong Kong has the most number of uh, tall uh, buildings in the world, but Shenzhen has the most number of skyscrapers. Uh, people from all over mainland China have settled there, very young city as well. And some of the world's largest technology firms from Tencent to Huawei are there. Ping An is there as well. Uh, and then you bring that together with the Hong Kong uh, Stock Exchange, which is now competing with the New York Stock Exchange as the world's largest when it comes to IPO listing. You have that you know, combination of these two. Um, if, I, if I remember correctly, I think Shenzhen is now ranked about 11th in the financial centers in the world, uh, in the global rankings. So you're talking about number three and number 11. High net worth, ultra high net worth individuals. Hong Kong's number three or four. So, a lot of wealth, a lot of talent, uh, and a lot of technology. So, very, very interesting space. So, this is this has become the gateway for mainland China. And uh, in the longer run, I expect this to be the model at which mainland China's uh, other provinces will also uh, operate because um, you are looking at uh, policies opening up for foreign companies to come in. Uh, earlier this year to last, uh, late last year, they changed the policy for allowing f- foreign institutions to own uh, financial uh, majority stake in financial institutions so you know banks in particular so that's opening up so Goldman JP Morgan etc can now own their own branded fully owned uh, entities in mainland China that's big and that will evolve yeah
0: that, that's, a, that, that's a very important point I think because I mean the news we get globally is, is of course often slightly negative about hong kong you don't therefore hear the positive and that is a big change They're allowing uh, you, you can own your own business there uh, as a complete entity which is a big change is a big change, a big change. and that's going to help the growth i think of the greater bay area model too so that's really exciting i guess um, just wrapping up um, the, the chat with you today i guess mm-hmm. I, I think my audience might like to hear a little bit about what you think's unique about the startup community in hong kong
1: The Hong Kong startup community has three very unique things that I find, right? Uh, One is it's probably one of the best melting pots of Western entrepreneurs working with Asian entrepreneurs, right? Uh, About one third to 40% of Hong Kong entrepreneurs are uh, foreigners, right? so it just tells you that there's a huge number in the startup ecosystem and so they're coming from different cultures and they're trying to merge together so you have the mainland Chinese influence you have Asians from India like me or you know from Singapore or other parts and then of course uh, Hong Kong Chinese people who are also very entrepreneurial right so yeah that's number one it's a melting pot number two is um, we have a very uh, good balance of uh, women and men in the entrepreneurship community right which is not very common in the startup tech world um according to a survey done. W WHub and in their report on uh, Hong Kong and the Greater Bay Area, uh, in particular, about Hong Kong, about 45% of employees uh, in startups in uh, Hong Kong are women, right? which is a fairly high number when it comes to startup ecosystem. And I think that's a big strength and I do see a lot of women involved here. Uh, and it's a very important element. It's not about diversity. It's just about the equal opportunity for uh, both genders to participate and it's a very vital element. Number three, for me, uh, on the entrepreneurship scene that makes it unique, is its ability to evolve and adapt, right? You were talking about how people are saying what will happen to Hong Kong. For the last two decades in particular, people looked at Hong Kong as this uh, um, gateway to China, right? And that's that's what it was for many people, set up in Hong Kong and then operate across and access mainland in China. But here is again another new... Uh, uh, situation for Hong Kong to deal with and I'm, I'm very confident uh, and I believe that Hong Kong people are very adaptable. It takes time for change everywhere, yes, but you've seen a lot of changes in the early 1900s, etc. was a trade hub, then it became a manufacturing hub, made in Hong Kong was a massive brand in the 60s and 70s and you know our parents time or even 80s then it evolved into becoming a services hub right which is what it is right now and now it's changing its uh, nature to become more of a facilitator uh as uh, as as the chief executive likes to call it the super connector right so keeping that in mind i think people in hong kong uh, have that ability to connect uh they understand the big picture uh, and are able to bridge uh across cultures and i find that very exciting
0: i i couldn't agree more it's a uh... It's a model that a lot of people could learn from the female founder stats are, 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 are impressive and it, that should be the standard around the world so once again I feel like Hong Kong's leading the way and showing um, yeah. what, what, what it should be like so um, as a member of the startup community in Hong Kong although I'm based in London I also want to just say that it's it, it really is quite a special place and I think what you just mentioned there about the cultural mix is, is something I think if you want a global business then set it up in Hong Kong because you get global perspective within your team it's not just you know if, if you just set up in england and a lot of english people that's fine but then maybe you think oh you only think about the english market and whereas in hong kong you do as you quite rightly say have such a big melting pot of culture that you end up thinking global from yeah. day one even though hong kong itself is a small yeah. market with the greater bay area to extend to you have that international mindset that's the thing that always impressed me about the companies that i've run there was the the talent you had around the table that was international it, it wasn't just thinking necessarily about the local market which which is exciting and so yeah thanks for highlighting it and um and yeah so it's just it's just wonderful to talk to to you i appreciate you sharing your knowledge on hong kong and entrepreneurship i guess i'm just going to wrap up by asking have you got any words of wisdom for any aspiring entrepreneurs listening
1: uh, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, words of wisdom. I think I'm still in the process of learning, so lesser of words of wisdom and more so my experience. Um, if you are building something as an entrepreneur, the key element is go, uh, knowing, uh, having a lot of passion for what you do. So you know, loving what you do and being able to get up every day and wanting to uh, push it. But more importantly, having a sense of practicality um, over a period of time. Sometimes. The desire to push and become an entrepreneur is so overwhelming that you don't realize the damage it may be doing to your personal and financial status, right? In the longer run, so knowing when to quit uh, in the short, in the medium term, is very important. It's just quit, maybe get back to something else, and come back when the time is right. You'll always have an opportunity. Uh, Too many times, people feel it's it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to become an entrepreneur, and they give a lot, and then they fight against. The markets, uh, Because a lot of times, as we say, right, a huge number of companies, startups fail. So it doesn't mean you did it wrong. It just means it's statistically you're likely to fail, more likely to fail. And Simon, you've run a lot of businesses, and I'm sure not all of them were roaring successes. So I think that's the key element is knowing when to quit and then bouncing back again uh, once you're refueled and recharged.
0: I think. This is such amazing advice because I think there's always this message of like generally in startup land, like push through, you know, it's meant to be painful. And actually what you just said there, I I think is so spot on. The hardest thing personally I've ever done is had to shut a company. Actually, sometimes it's easier to keep it going and and, and have pain. But actually the brave thing sometimes is to say, like you just said, you know, okay, it's not working now. I stop, I come back another day. It's a long it's a long road, right? Hopefully, I mean, in Hong Kong, I think the average age of living is like 87. So you've got a long road, right? You're like many years ahead of yeah. you. And, and sometimes it's about pacing yourself and... And I think this ties well into like mental health issues that people put themselves under and they don't need to do that and they need to pace themselves and, and adjust. So such wonderful advice and, and such um, insight into Hong Kong and such wonderful knowledge of fintech. We're lucky to have you here today sharing that knowledge. Really appreciate you and thank you for your time.
1: Thank you for having me. Really appreciate being
0: here. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by the Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge, as well as get access to Pep Talk and the Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.